week at our house where we were looking at the date and we were like, oh, okay, teachers, there's a lot of teachers and spouses of teachers in this room. We were like, in a month, we'll be back, right? And then the kids were like, oh no, right? And we had this like, we're midway through summer, we're you know, on the downhill, but we thought, no, okay, there's a lot of summer left. There's a lot to savor still. We're gonna have some fun. And we're actually gonna start with some fun this morning in that spirit. We're gonna play a game to start, okay? Now, so I'm gonna bring my kids up. So Phoebe, Elise, and Porter are gonna come help me. And I, you might've noticed we're a little bit, the chairs shifted a bit. We're kind of in the round. So I'm gonna just say up front that some of y'all over here are at a disadvantage because of the angle and we're all right-handed, unfortunately. So if you are a competitive person and you're like, I'm moving because I'm winning this thing. This is your moment, okay? But I'm just fair warning. I, I recognize it's not totally ideal. We're gonna play a game. Each of these kids is going to draw, connect some dots here, and an image is going to emerge. And you have to shout out and guess what it is, okay? Pretty straightforward. All right, we're gonna have some fun music. Phoebe's gonna start us off. Are we ready, audience? Okay. All right, Phoebe, as soon as the music starts, you can go. All right, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, what are you seeing? Do you have ideas? You can start to shout it out. Said I woke up to the summer, shining throat. Sword, no. no. Keep them coming, shout them out. What? what kind of torch? It's the Olympic torch! Yes, that's the correct answer. Okay, who said that? I heard it kind of in here. Fess up. Logan said it! Okay. Well, Logan, there are prizes. You get your choice of a Kinder Bueno. Good, good child. This does have a hazelnut, so if you are nut-free, don't take this. Take this! Uh, a little notebook. It's an university notebook with Micah 68. So Phoebe's gonna come to you, Logan, and you can pick which one you want, all right? And next, next drawing, Elise is up for number two. Okay, here we go. You're warmed up. Take it to the next level. Go, Elise. What are we seeing? A lemon, a stone, a heart. What? Avocado. Good. Keep it going. The earth. The circle of love. All right. All right, Elise is gonna come to you for your choice right on the end of the white shirt. Okay. See, that's next level. Here we go. Um, number three. Porter's gonna bring it home here. Third option. Everyone's going with candy. Go figure. It's delicious. All right, here we go. Girls, step back so as many people can see as possible. All right, what are we looking at here? Banana. Fruit of the spirit. Who said that? All right. Now finish it out. Finish it out here, though, Porter. It's going to finish. Well done. The first guess in our house was banana ghost, right? That's a good guess. All right, Porter. Go deliver the prize choices right in the back row. Raise your hand. Chad, raise your hand. Yep. Banana ghost. Good. Thank you, ladies. You can have a seat. Good job. Banana ghost. 
Mothman ghost always makes me a little nostalgic. I was actually feeling nostalgic this week um, when I was growing up in my household. Our first game system, we had an Atari, joystick Atari, and then we got a Nintendo Entertainment System, the one that came with Mario and Duck Hunt combo first. And I'm terrible at all video games, all of them. But there was one game that my family got, and it was called Anticipation. I don't know if anyone knows this game, but it was based on a board game. It was Nintendo's first adaptation of a board game for video play, and it kind of looked like a blend of Trivial Pursuit and Pictionary. And basically, you had to anticipate what the computer pencil was drawing. And I was good at it. Like, I finally could beat my brothers at a video game. And I can hear that, like, theme music as clearly as I can hear Mike Tyson's Punch-Out theme music still to this day. And I loved it because I love making connections. And this is really all about what we're doing in this month of July, is we are connecting the dots from these last two years that we've been together in this series on flourishing. Now, as you look back, and Tom kicked us off last week, we were reminded that of our core text in Jeremiah 29, right? They had this vivid description of a people flourishing, even in exile. And if you remember, the idea was twofold. There's this idea that as a people, we are not in our true home, right? We are made for heaven. We're citizens of heaven for the kingdom of God. And there's a way in, sense in which we're returning, right? We're a people in return. We're waiting the fullness of that restoration. And also on another level, there's a way in which we're grappling with the reality that particularly the American church is not at the center of the global church and no longer at the center of our social national life in the ways of power and resource and access in ways that perhaps we have experienced in other generations. And grappling with that, it's been put forth by Kevin and the leadership and the teaching team that you know what? This is a good thing. Because historically, the church has always flourished and been at its best when it is away from those centered places, those temptations of power, right? The church has thrived throughout the scriptures and history in that place. And so we've been asking, what does it mean to be a people who flourish? And right out of our purpose statement, have come these three areas that we are a people who flourish, who as we are encountered in our world, they experience a flourishing people who are bearing the fruit of the spirit, right? Walking right in step with spirit and bearing fruit that has that same flavor. Secondly, we're a people who are in ever-increasing intimacy with the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, right in the center of that circle of love. And as such, we're a people who are experienced as increasingly generous with all we are and all that we have. Now, if you were here last week, as Tom opened up the review, I don't know about you, but... I did not think a review sermon could be so convicting still, 
So I, I was sitting kind of right in this area, and Tom challenged us to consider, is this how people experience us? Right? Do they taste the dimensions of the fruit of the Spirit? Do they experience us as a people who are right in the middle of the circle of love, generous? And I don't know, but last week I came in to Sunday morning and I was sad and I was kind of crabby. And I was sitting there and I was just feeling, it wasn't a harsh conviction, it was a, it was a kind conviction. But I was like, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I mean, ask my family, ask my brother, my husband, my kids. I'm sorry, I wasn't there, right? But I wanted to be, right? And that was the stirring in my heart. I want more. And I think about that Galatians 5 text that we went back to again. That was our core text in that series on the fruit of the Spirit. And Tom made the statement that we're all going to bear fruit, right? We're all bearing fruit. But what does it taste like? What are the dimensions, right? So if you imagine that kind of a tree, the image of a tree or a vine rooted in the spirit, you're going to see all this incredible fruit in its many dimensions and flavors. And what kind of fruit is it, right? What is that flavor? It's the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the kind of flavor of the singular fruit, And this week, right, so we're connecting dots, we're remembering now to connect the idea that we are included, we're invited as image bearers into a lifelong, ever-deepening, radical intimacy with God. Right in the center, that sweet spot of the circle of love. Right? God in the scriptures is described as love itself. Right? Love itself. Love that in its very essence and nature is inclusive. It's inviting. It's intimate. Father, Son, and Spirit. Right? And we are right in that sweet spot. We're invited to be right in that sweet spot. But this series, as we walked through it, in many ways we were grappling with, with all these kind of dimension and, and wondering about how we kind of get our heart and head around it. And so we used these five word pairs to be kind of vivid imagery, to kind of wonder around the mystery. And these are the five word pairs, if you recall them. That in this circle of love, there is joyful intimacy, glad Surrender, complex simplicity. There's mutual indwelling and there is passionate mission. Right? Those are the hallmarks of this dynamic relationship of God, three in one, and we invited in the middle, looking thus as well. Because of some of the, the challenge, right, of getting our head around it, you might recall we used some different metaphors to kind of fill this out and recognize, actually, we've had four tastes, right? There is a taste of this in some of our even day-to-day -day experiences. So Tom talked about three kind of images, this idea of thespians, right, a theater troupe, creating and collaborating in intimacy. He talked about athletes working for the win as a team, right, collaborating, 
And he talked about the band of brothers, right? Those who enter into service in combat and the intimacy, the intertwined nature of those relationships. And, and then we saw these beautiful artistic renderings, right? Uh, Kevin used and brought to our attention this 15th century, this is a 15th century uh, Russian artist icon, uh, Andrei Rublev, and this was used maybe a little bit more in the sanctuary, but you might recall, right, there's all this amazing Trinitarian symbolism in this piece of art. And then as a congregation, 75 or more of you all actually submitted your own artistic renderings of the Spirit, right? Spirit, Father, Son, and Trinity in this circle of love. God is still releasing creativity from you all. And in this um, series on the circle of love, we settled into the core text of John about chapters 13 to 18, which is known as this upper room discourse, right? It's this conversation, this series of conversations that Jesus has with his disciples, his kind of close friends and family on the eve of his arrest and his murder. And so in that moment, you might remember in this room, our fifth graders actually helped us the week I was teaching in this series. And we looked at even just two verses in John. It's incredible. You go through those chapters and just circle and highlight all the places you see Father, Son, and Spirit. It's amazing, right? And this is the verse, um, 26 and 27 from John 15, um, that you can see we pulled out all of these examples, right? When the advocate, the Spirit, comes whom I, the speaker's Jesus, send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And we're in it too, right? And you, that's us, the disciples, must also testify. For you have been with me from the beginning, right? And we went around the room and we kind of embodied each of these characters in the narrative and saw even in two verses, the circle of love. Whereas the Trinity is implicit in the Old Testament, in the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament, it is beautifully explicit. Right? And the invitation for us is rich. Uh, this last week, I had my first work trip with InterVarsity out of town. Um, I think Tom is on his first work trip too since pandemic, so it's quite a week. Um, I'm not going to lie, I was a little rusty, like, I was like driving in St. Louis, and I was like, like, what am I doing? I forgot how parallel parking works, and my credit card got declined, like, when I left the county, I don't know, it was strange that I was leaving, all these things happen, um, but I was so excited because we were uh, meeting, I was meeting with some staff and students, and they're actually hosting this event in St. Louis in the Metro that was about college students training high school students and equipping them with skills to flourish, that was the name of the event, go figure, flourish both through high school and into their post-high school years, whether they go to college or not. And so these college students were teaching skills around scripture study, so we did a manuscript study, um, they were teaching about prayer and how to share your faith, and it was just beautiful and fun. And we had Nerf gun wars, and I'm old, and I was bad at it, and I'm like, I'm so tired, right? Um, but it was so great, and the highlight for me was the scripture study. And we were actually in John 15, where this text is from, but we were in the first 10 verses. 
And it was amazing, you all. We, as we studied this, some of these students, they asked questions about this text that I have never heard before. And I've studied this a lot of times. You all probably have too, if you know this text when I read it in a minute. But it was amazing how you can have such a fresh encounter. And in this part of John in 15, you know, he's just told his disciples, again, I'm going to be leaving you. And uh, they are sad and maybe a little confused and grappling with their disillusionment. And Jesus does this really beautiful, kind thing. And he says, essentially, he's like, let me give you a picture. I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser, the gardener. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Right? Every branch is touched. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. And I, you know, I know this word picture, but there was something about sitting there with these students who were bringing all these fresh insights about it that I just was in awe of the the intimacy, in some ways the strange intimacy of this picture that we're invited to abide. And that word is kind of like, you know, the word abode that's kind of like a home. It's about dwelling in, right? It's belonging, making your home in, being right in the center of, in terms of connection. And this stood out to me because, of course, I'm thinking about this Um, summary talk about the circle of love and our flourishing in exile series. And I thought about exile a little bit. And exile as a practice throughout human history, it had a little bit different expressions, but it had some consistent things it was trying to accomplish by those with power or dominance, right? So the purpose of exile was to address a perceived or real threat from an individual or a group And often, exile would mean the deprivation of the comforts and the protections of that group, right? You're taking those away from a person or persons. It often came with the lifelong loss of citizenship and property. It was about either isolation or assimilation that at its core was about eroding the sense of belonging and identity of a people. And then think about the reminder we heard last week from Tom about our belonging and our people. Right? That ultimately we are citizens of heaven, of the kingdom of God. And no one takes that from us. We have our deepest belonging. We find ourselves most at home, right where we're meant to be, in the center of God's presence, in whose image we are made. And no one takes that. 
I was, uh, anybody of you know uh, this idea in change theory? It's called Lewin's force field. Has anyone heard of Lewin's force field? Okay. So it's this idea in a change process that, I'll put in the middle here kind of a big rectangle. I don't know how well you can see it. And I'm going to write on the side it says change. So anytime there's some change that a community is hoping for or moving toward, there are these driving forces, right? So these forces that are driving that change ahead. In this case, for what we're talking about, from the beginning in the garden, right, we have this breach, the separation of perfect relationship with God and one another, right? And the whole arc of human history is about the return, the restoration. That is the change that is coming about in our universe, right? Paul writes about it to the Ephesians saying that the mystery is that, um, that God is working to the unity of all things in heaven and on earth, right? This kind of return to wholeness, and oneness in Christ. And that's the change. And the kingdom of God is driving forward, right? God and his purposes are driving forward. But in every change process, there are also forces that resist it, right? That come against it. So if the reality is that we belong right in the middle of the circle of love, like that's where we were meant to dwell as God's image bearers, right in the middle of his person and presence in wholeness of life. The forces that come against it are just as real. Now, they're not going to win, but they're still pressing, right? The powers and the principalities that come against the kingdom, the barriers and derailers in our own hearts and lives, even our ability to say, well, I can't get my head around this, so I'm not going to think about it. Right? Whatever it is, there are these blocks and resistance. But the change, that restoration, it's coming. And God is moving it forward graciously. And sometimes I think you know, that we, uh, we often want to know in a series, and this was a point that came up in the Circle of Love series a lot. We're like, okay, 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 tell me what to do. Right? Like, what does this mean for my day-to-day life? And that is a wonderful question. It's a beautiful question. But I'm going to propose that actually we as a people are invited to cultivate our awareness about this truth, this reality, that we belong, that we're meant to abide right in the presence of God. And that actually will lead to meaningful action. So I'm going to draw one more thing up on the easel. Since we got it and we're drawing, it's another circle, but this actually is a circle. I'll describe it for those who can't see, but this is actually a circle that's a cycle. Something called the cycle of experience I've been learning about. And the idea is that in everyday life, like hundreds of times a day, maybe thousands of times a day, we take action, right? I'll give you an example. I go to the bakery and I get a treat. This happens quite frequently. Um, but let me break, if you break that action down into actually all of the process behind it, it's fascinating. So for example, I'm remembering many days when I would take my kids to school in the spring, I always would say I, I sin more in the first hour of the day than like any other time. Just getting out the door is, is a real challenge for my character. 
And so we get to school, you guys know, we get up, we pull up, we drop off, and the door on the minivan closes when the kids are out. And my whole body just goes, <sighs> right? Like I exhale, my muscles release, it's quiet. And I become aware of these things. These are the first part of the cycle. And they are sensations, right? We actually usually have these physical sensations that are getting our attention. And what we need to do with those is actually become more aware of what they mean. So in this scenario, I also was realizing my stomach was growling. And as I'm driving out of the parking lot and repenting and, and getting right with God, thinking about my day, I'm like, okay, mostly I'm, I think I've got to address this hunger issue. So I became aware of it, right? I'm aware now that I'm hungry, and that's my biggest need. So over here, the next spot is that you mobilize your energy to do something about it. So I'm like, okay, do I have eggs? Those are way healthier. Or do I go to the bakery? I'm going to the bakery, right? It was a short conversation most days. So this leads me to my action, right? So I go to the bakery and I get a pastry. And then I go to the other bakery and get a pastry because I'm very egalitarian like that. I just, you know, I'm gonna like to support all my businesses. Uh, so I get the pastry, I come home, I make contact with the pastry, usually with a very small fork, so it lasts a really long time, and I savor every bite. And then in the last step, you withdraw and you assess your decisions. And usually for me, it's like, will my Weight Watchers app know if I lie to it about the contact I've just made? So this is the cycle of experience. And I am convinced that we often really like to rush past the first part in our life to action. We feel a sensation or you know, an energy and we're like, oh, I am posting something right now. I am calling, I am saying something, I'm doing something. We like to go to action. But I want to propose that, especially in our spiritual life, what if we stopped and worked on cultivating our awareness, right? Yes, an awareness of what's happening in us, but even more so an awareness that we are made in God's image. We're invited to walk in step with the spirit. We belong in the circle of love. Right? That's the awareness. Because I guarantee you become more aware of that in the moment and the actions you take will change toward yourself and toward others. So here's a little exercise. If you can, put your hands up like this. Make a triangle in front of you. Okay, looking at that triangle, I want you to think each point in that triangle, father, Son, spirit. Okay, we've all got our triangle. Now, that's the circle of love. So now round your hands out and make that into a circle. Okay. And now I want you to pull it up to your face and look through it, kind of like a telescope. Okay. Okay. I feel like I'm doing like a Ryan the Last Dragon thing, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like we're thinking that. Okay. Um, so, but when you do this, look at someone around the room. This is awkward, but just look at each other. And when you look at them in the circle, remember, they're made in Father, Son, Holy Spirit image. They're made in God's image. God has meant them, invited them into the circle of love. 
Now, you're having maybe an interaction with someone and you're feeling some sensations. Your energy is getting mobilized to do something. What if you stop and go, okay, wait a second, how does it change if I do this? Right? I remember you're made in the image of God. Like, you're in the circle of love. You're invited in there too. And I'm there. Simple awarenesses in everyday life can change the course of a day and a lifetime. And you were made for it. So we want to give you a little time. This is the application to do just that, to grow in your awareness and to consider that truth. And Alan's going to come up and we're going to demonstrate how we're going to do this. We're actually going to say a, a short blessing for one another in the room. And there's going to be some music playing so you can reflect on this reality that you were meant to abide and dwell right in the circle of love. And so around the room, there's these kind of round mirrors that we've spread. And on the back of each mirror is just a short blessing. And we are actually each going to pass this blessing to one another. And we'll do that. So if Alan's my neighbor, you're my neighbor. And I'm going to hold this mirror up of the circle. And he's going to see himself in the circle. And I know your name, but because sometimes we forget names, we don't want this to be weird. I don't care if it's your sister, you're still going to say, what's your name? Alan. Okay. So I'm going to say, Alan, you're made in God's image. And I bless you to dwell in the circle of love. You're going to receive that. And then I'm going to pass the mirror to Alan, and he's going to come and start this blessing. Okay, so you're going to actually pass the blessing down the row. You're going to hold the mirror in front of your neighbor and speak the words on the back. I know this is putting some of you out of your comfort zone. Some of you might have to stand as you're able and go to the next row. The mirrors are going to start, and they're just going to wind down each section. And Alan and I will start and give the initial blessing so no one's left out. And I want you to be courageous. Just go to the person next in this kind of circling row and bless them. And as you wait for the blessing and wait to pass it, just consider, become more aware of this truth. And as it ends, we'll have some music playing. Um, we'll worship with a, a final song. And after you've received and passed the blessing, you're also, you can come for communion in that final worship song. And then I'll close us. So Loken's going to start some music, and Alan and I will begin the blessing in each section as you pass it. <laughs> 